Leftovers Season 3, Episode 3 is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps, talking about Episode 3 of The Leftovers Season 3. I am Josh Wiggler. I am joined here by Antonio Mazzaro to talk about crazy white fella thinking with some crazy white fella podcasting. Right. If there's one thing we're good at, Josh, it's crazy white fella thinking. That's really, uh, I mean, it's kind of just where we're at. I mean, I know that a lot of uh, a lot of people think uh, that you and I are pretty put together and stable, and like we just got our our lives together. But <laughs> there there are there are a few screws missing upstairs. I think. Uh, in your house? In my house specifically. Oh, yeah. you got to get that house in order, bro. I got I uh, to fix it. Yeah, uh, we got a few screws missing, but hopefully we can uh, we can put them back together yeah. on this uh, this podcast recap here, Josh. Yes. All right. So let's start putting all that together. We're going to be talking about episode three of the final season of the leftovers here. Uh, Kevin Sr. All Kevin Sr. All the time, Antonio. Yeah. And surprisingly, so normal, right? (laughs) Normal Durst. Yeah, this is just uh, this episode takes place in an office. Kevin Sr. going about his daily life. Nothing crazy is happening, like men being set on fire, snakes biting people or ending up at the gravesite of uh, dead children. No, nothing, nothing crazy happening this episode. I know during season two, you know, in that transition period from season two to season three, uh, very close to that season two finale, Damon Lindelof talked about, uh, as far as like the only things he would talk about with season three, is that we have Scott Glenn on our cast, and we feel like we've got this person that we've been treating like a relief pitcher, and we've had a starting pitcher this whole time. That was the only tease he would offer about season three. We're three episodes deep into this eight-episode final season, and you get an episode that is built on the back of Scott Glenn as Kevin Garvey Sr., somebody who has been important on the show, but whose appearances have been sporadic. I hope not sporadically for the rest of season three. I hope that he is here for a good little stretch here. But what do you think about that? Is this, you know, if this is him stepping up to the mound, pitching from the start of the game, Antonio, do you think Scott Glenn, I was going to say, did he knock it out of the park, but the pitchers usually are bad at batting. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> so my baseball metaphor failed. <laughs> Shocking, Josh. You attempted the sports and I failed. tried. I tried. I tried. I was almost there. I was so close. So close this, to a touchdown, Antonio, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Or extra point even. Yeah. This is uh, this is one good inning of relief pitching from a fresh arm for sure. Uh, it is absolutely great episode for Scott Glenn. We know from Scott Glenn's other things that he's done. He's a fantastic actor. Someone so good at acting, Josh, that I've often accidentally called him Scott Foley, which uh-huh. would be fantastic. <laughs> Uh, considering he's able to just throw it back and put on a different performance on Scandal. But no, uh, Scott Scott Glenn, fantastic actor. Uh, we have seen him recently in things like Daredevil uh, and, of course, The Leftovers. But his resume runs deep. He just it has succeeded and exceeded in just about everything he's done, and he's been acting in film and TV since the 60s. So this is a guy who they are right to say we can build stuff around this guy. He carries what is, I would say, from the narrative standpoint and really from uh, what's happening in the episode standpoint, a fairly light episode. He carries it with emotion. And at the end of the day, even if you if you end this episode feeling what I feel, which is that Kevin Sr. is a nut job, uh, unfortunately, you end up feeling well, a lot of sympathy a, for that. a matter of interpretation. Ah, yeah. Context is everything, Josh. It is a matter of interpretation. But yeah, by by the end of this episode, regardless of how you feel about whether he's in touch with something bigger, uh, you definitely there's so much emotion generated.
obliterated by Scott Glenn in this performance. Uh, I love it. I, there's just so much funny, even when he, I love my favorite moment probably is when he gets shot with the trank dart and he's falling down in his crutches and he's like, Oh God, again, like, <laughs> God, like I've been, haven't I, have I not been through enough? I fell off a roof and killed a man. I was kicked out of the back of an Australian ambulance. I was bitten by a snake. I saw a man set himself on fire. Uh, this is a lot. So, but at the end of the day, he gets shot with a, a trank dart and he's really like more. He, he pulled a catheter out of himself, Josh. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, he definitely did that. And that was difficult to watch and definitely gave me the ickies. But it was a compelling episode. It was really, really good. Uh, th- he's such a good actor. And it really obviously is by far and away the most detailed look we've gotten at Kevin Garvey Sr. yet. I'm curious to talk more about your take on Kevin and your final takeaway from this episode. Before we do all of that, this is just the first of two podcasts that we are going to be doing about this episode. If you're just joining us, hello, welcome. Uh, we talk a lot about the leftovers here on Post Show Recaps. We do two podcasts per week. We do one basically right after the episode on Sunday nights. And then we do a midweek feedback show where we take your questions, we take your comments, we read them on the air, we use that to guide our conversation through these episodes. Uh, So we're going to be doing that this week. Uh, We're going to be recording that actually a little bit earlier than usual. So if you want to get your feedback in for this week's feedback show Get that to us by midnight on Monday, midnight Eastern time, if possible, on Monday. You can do that a variety of ways. Antonio and I, we are both on Twitter. He's at AC Mazzaro. I'm at Round Howard. We also have an email address at leftovers at postshowrecaps.com and a feedback form, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. Any one of those ways, we'll get your feedback to us, and we will read it on the air when we get together for our feedback show this week. And anything I'm missing, Antonio? No, that's a lot of leftovers. We talk uh, we talk about leftovers more than uh, family hungry from Black Friday shopping, Josh. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just stop. We should stop the podcast right here. Uh, uh, we'll edit that out. Uh, well, shout out to the great Alex Kidwell. Alex, please edit that out. I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, let's go. Okay. All right. Well, I'm confused now. And now you have to take the you have to take me by the hand and lead me forward. I have no idea how to go forward from there. We're going to step into the water, Josh. Uh, we're in Australia. We are full on in Australia. We've talked a lot about uh, whether or not previous episodes were in Australia when we were heading to Australia, who would be going to Australia. But now we have met up with one of the characters who we know has been in Australia since season two. Kevin Senior. We'll just call him Senior for the purposes of this podcast. Is that easy for you? That's easy for me, and it's seems to me that you're thinking that Kevin Garvey Sr. really put the the senior was really emphasized in this episode. It was uh, Monsignor. Yeah, this is uh, this is the senior. This is him stepping out maybe in, in not in terms of a senior moment, but really. You wonder about out. that, though. It seems to me like you're thinking that Kevin Garvey Sr. is a little bit off his rocker, like he perhaps has a few screws loose upstairs as well. He does. He does. He should go on top of the roof and try to tighten those screws. <laughs> no, that's a bad idea. That's yeah. how we fall on people and people die. No, there's just a lot of pathos in this episode. There's a lot of feeling uh, for Kevin Sr. As we see him listening to tapes of uh, he and Jr. talking about the weather, and we find out in the context of this episode that those tapes were recorded about a month after his wife died of cancer, uh, and that this is what what the life that, that Sr. had with Jr. And this is some purpose that he's been searching for. He's been searching for some, as he puts it, some effing purpose. Uh, And here he is 
in Australia looking and, and trying to find that purpose, but it just sounds so crazy when he talks about it, Josh. I mean, you're talking about him seeing a magical chicken on television and the chicken taking a tape. and the, the, Yes, and the tape leading him down a path that ends in, in a certain place. It's just this is really bonkers, and I think the fantastic monologue we get from Grace uh, at the end of the episode, the monologue about what happened with her family, is very much on point with the Kevin Sr. story in that you can believe something so fervently that you literally separate yourself from your family, that you cause death, that you cause bad things to happen because of your crazy beliefs. And Kevin's response to her monologue where she's accepting that she's crazy and that she's believed too much is he's saying, you're not crazy. You've just, you were looking for the wrong Kevin. I mean, this is a woman who literally killed a man, Josh, in order to pursue this crazy belief. And she's admitting to herself, I feel like I'm nuts. And Kevin Sr.'s telling her, you're not nuts. Well, I feel like that's a little bit of a pot in a kettle kind of thing because as we see from Kevin Sr. in this episode, he might be a little wacko. You're talking about a man who literally paints his body up and uh, pretends he's part of some aboriginal culture uh, and is, what is he doing? Song li- uh, There's so much, Josh. There's so much about poor Kevin Sr. Poor Kevin Sr. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the, the the whole, like, I have to sing to stop the floods. I have to sing in order to fight for existence. Where have I heard that before? Where have I heard the leftovers deal in territory where somebody named Kevin has to sing for existence? That's fair. Uh, that is fair. And That's interestingly, just, I'm scratching my head thinking, where? oh, right, season two finale. That happened. It- Interestingly enough, that character may or may not be somebody who is connected to the Australian story. Somebody, I think, if you told me before tonight that this episode was going to be Kevin Senior centric, it was going to take place in Australia. One of the things I would have put on my checklist is I want to find out more about David Burton, the guy from season two who was allegedly this Australian man who believed he could not die, uh, who emerged from a cave after being dead for a couple of days and now believes he can't die, who the man on the pillar was sending letters to, uh, who may or may not be the guy from International Assassin who is guarding the bridge, who is the karaoke MC, who tells Kevin Senior, Kevin Jr. to sing. Uh, I thought we would see more about that. We didn't see that. Instead, we had this weird Kevin Senior singing this aboriginal song, uh, all, the parts of which are all known by different groups of people uh, and di- throughout the country, and he's going to memorize all the parts of it, sing it all at once, and somehow prevent what he believes is a cataclysmic flood that is on the horizon. You're right. In the context of the show, we have seen singing for your supper before. What, what about this, though, Josh? We've also seen Kevin Sr. in those episodes at the International Assassin Hotel on the TV. We hear kind of his side of that in this episode. Yeah, so just to rewind the clock for people who don't remember that very well, is back in International Assassin in Season 2, the first time we go to the hotel, the first time we're on the other side, as it were, and Kevin Garvey Jr. is experiencing everything he's experiencing. At a certain point in that episode, he communes with his father through a television set. And I think Kevin Garvey Sr., I think Sr. does talk about how he's in Perth, right? He certainly talks about God's tongue. He calls out God's tongue, Pod's tongue in our case. Uh, he comes out and he says it. He says it outright, like, that's the thing that I'm doing. And then in this episode, he's talking about how he took this designer drug, God's Tongue, and woke up with 
Two weeks having passed, no memory of those two weeks on the other side of Australia in Perth. That's something that Kevin Garvey Sr. says to Christopher Sunday in this episode, completely independent of anything that Junior is experiencing. But Junior had that information back in International Assassin. Uh, supernatural nonsense confirmed. I mean, I know that a lot. And this is something that I actually saw in the Alan Seppenwall review before we came on. So I know that this is something that we're wondering right now. And it's something that you and I talk about a lot on this show is one of the geniuses of The Leftovers is sometimes it, it's a show that really can have its cake and eat it too, where there are moments where it seems like it's got to be something out of this world, something that we can't explain is the only only possible reason why this is happening, or there's a scientific explanation to it. Uh, and in this case, it feels like, how, do, how does Kevin Garvey Jr. know this stuff unless it's actually happening? So I feel like that's, that's really compelling. That's a really interesting turn of event. Right. There's certainly nothing within the context of the show that we've seen on screen that would indicate that Kevin, that Junior would know with Senior and the God's Tongue and all of that. There's, of course, the possibility that Senior, at some point during his God's Tongue trip right before this, called Junior uh, and talked to him about it, and it came up in their conversation, right? That's possible. But this does seem to be a confirmation of some sort that there is this deeper connection that was in play. Uh, the funny thing, of course, is that Senior doesn't remember it. Whether or not that's God's Tongue or not, or as you call it pod's tongue which i believe was a subplot on game of thrones uh, <laughs> I, oh, <laughs> I think boy. that i think that there's something to it if i recall though if you watch international assassin which i did recently when i did my rewatch i don't think those guys in the hotel room with kevin senior are white guys which he says they are in this story uh they look like they had darker skin it looked like he was among people that maybe had some more legitimacy and not were, were not just hippies with red headbands on but we also don't know it. at what point in the two-week bender that is we don't know we don't know and there is a smoldering mattress in that scene he does mention the god's tongue in that scene he does mention perth in that scene he says it worked as though this is something he was trying to achieve when he does when he's in that scene international assassin uh, and he gives kevin instructions he says did you get my flowers and he says take her to the well is what's supposed to happen so he is not only cognizant of where kevin may be at a certain time but what he needs to do in the context of international assassin in order Order to in order to fill in the blanks i'm wondering josh do you think we're ever going to get more information about this connection or is this just floating around out there at this point for the rest of the series i think that it's really likely that we're driving towards some sort of greater point that involves this thing um you know i i think that you know, certainly with kevin jr coming to australia you know that's where we left things with him and nora at the end of episode two is we're going to go to australia which by the way seems like a really bad idea according to kevin senior who tells Matt over the phone, I want him as far away from here as possible. Right. So that that kind of gets your skin crawling a little bit. Um, but with Nora chasing down the microwave people and investigating the fraud that's going there, and if we think that that's building to some sort of separation between Nora and Kevin, uh, Kevin Jr., perhaps, that somehow Jr. could get drawn in a little bit deeper to what Senior's got going on here, and through that they can find some elaboration on the hotel of it all. Like I, I definitely think that that could be a direction we're going in. I do too, and I think that I, I think it's it's one it's like going to gonna say, be like the end of Poltergeist too, when Craig T. Nelson <laughs> and his son both have to like go into the fire and like go into the world to help save Carol Ann and Carol Ann's mother. Interestingly enough, there's a lot of static on the TV in International Assassin. You may be onto something here, Josh. Yeah, uh, and I think Scott Glenn in like any kind of Poltergeist reboot would be uh, a great Mr. Kane. Like I feel like he could play that role. 
great friend of post show recaps Colin Stone said Scott Glenn should play Robert Durst in the Jinx uh, and it could be Robert <laughs> Nora Durst yeah uh, Robert Nora Durst Gross. yes so there you go oh, uh, all the burping and everything but no there is a there <laughs> the there it does seem like we're driving to this greater thing where we're going to get more information about these things. This show is doing a little bit of the nonlinear storytelling this season in terms of we are jumping around from time to time. This Kevin Sr. story really encompasses about seven years, uh, give or take. We see him in the immediate aftermath of what was happening in, in the departure day. And ultimately, we see what's happening in the, in, the, in the time after that. So we do see these things happening. And uh, we we don't know 100% where we are time-wise. Like, for example, Kevin Sr. calls Matt a couple of times in this episode. Once Matt has sent him the book of Kevin, that would seem to be maybe before the events of this season have started. Uh, Matt has already been working on the book of Kevin before the events of this season. Uh, It's probably maybe right before the beginning of this season. We know the second call occurs a few weeks later. Matt has asked for the book back because he says by that point he's given Kevin the book. But the Matt we see in that scene, Josh, he looks like he's sick. He's sweaty. There's stuff coming off of his nose. He's got a blanket wrapped around him. Uh, The first time Kevin calls, a senior calls nor our baby Mary and baby Noah are there the second time it would seem like they're gone so we're really jumping around time-wise in this season so it stands to reason we might see another uh, a moment or another scene from a different perspective that gives us a different time element of this it's just not we are we are we are probably dealing with some incomplete pieces here that we're not going to get the full story on and I think it's partially a function of this uh, point of view centric storytelling where we have one character's point of view over a, an extended time period and we're filling and they have interactions with other characters but it's really their story so we don't 100% know where we are with time in this episode last episode ended for example with senior encountering these ladies what are you guys what are you ladies up to josh we had assumed that senior had been with these ladies for a while that he'd been talking to matt that matt had sold him on kevinism that senior had spread kevinism to these ladies and that these ladies were acting on in pursuance of kevinism that couldn't be more wrong couldn't be more wrong at this Couldn't point, be right? More wrong. Couldn't be more wrong at this point. Uh, Grace was acting on having just read this page for the first time. Uh, you know, she certainly has, you know, the signs are, are pointing towards something meaningful for her, given her, her very, very dark story about what happened with her and her family during the departure. I thought that this was a really, um, really kind of a marvelous monologue. There were there were some really great moments throughout this episode. There's certainly the great Scott Glenn monologue that takes place about a quarter of the way through, almost halfway through. And then this closing monologue from Lindsay Duncan as Grace Playford was just spectacular about she was, she was relieved because it seemed like everybody in her family departed and she knew that they were in a better place. And so she held the faith for two years until it was reported that they found the bleached bones of children, five children, somewhere on her property because she just never considered that maybe they didn't depart and maybe they went out looking for her and they went out looking for civilization. It's so dark, and we're now getting this wonderful picture, this wonderful portrait of this woman who is just 
on the brink, teeter-tottering. Uh, not to bring ah, teeter-totters into this you're right too late. <laughs> you done did it. I already did it. But teeter-tottering on the edge of faith, which is something that has been a very important theme throughout the show and now being embodied in this new character that's coming into season three. But I do think that we thought that like this was going to be the chapter of Kevinism that's already kind of advanced and is having its own different way of reacting to the stories that they've heard. That's not off the table that that's still where we could be going, but we're not that far down the road. Uh, we got a little a little big for our britches in that regard, I think, on the feedback show. We did, but it makes sense because we are shifting around in these timelines and we are week to week being meant to fill in these gaps in our brain with only the information we have at hand and more new shit has come to light, Josh. Uh, You're just not privy to it. Like this is ultimately what is happening throughout the course of this season is we are filling in gaps a lot of the time. Uh, For example, we see Nora with a cast in the first episode. We don't know why. Last episode, we found out why. Lily is missing in the first episode. We don't know why. In the Nora episode, we find out why. So we are doing a lot of that that kind of storytelling in this season. So it does stand to reason, as we're talking about, that we may see some more gaps filled in that don't make a ton of sense. The Matt thing, Matt being sick, it's easy enough to say when we go back to Matt, we're probably going to see him sick at some point, And it's going to be part of that story. As far as the International Assassin Hotel, though, I don't know how we get to where we're getting with that without going back to the hotel. And we've often speculated that we might be headed there. So there is that element of it as well. I will say it is uh, the, the story you mentioned the grace monologue which is as you pointed out fantastically played uh, you can't really say enough it, whether the episode advanced the narrative of this story a ton maybe not uh, and it really did well, we don't know we still don't know that's the point we really don't know what we've established with that it, as far as in, as in microcosm like this episode standing alone doesn't feel like it did it feels like by the end of the episode we end up back pretty much where we were at the at the end of last episode which is these two people together after this incident has happened but what led them there and what motivates them is very important i think not only to the rest of the story uh, in 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 that form the rest of the story but also in the form of what is motivating these characters as they take other actions and the actions they've taken so far. And by this, I mean to say that faith is a wonderful thing. Spirituality is a wonderful thing. These things give people grace and kindness and compassion, and they they give people great motivations. They lead people to live fantastic lives. They can also do bad things. Uh, People do bad things in pursuance of these things. And I think the grace story is, is very important because here is a woman who, because of her faith believed that the rapture had occurred and never thought for a second that her children could be anywhere but raptured never even thought to search for them and this is a woman who in pursuance of her faith has just killed a police officer uh, and is really facing down the barrel of that and saying okay faith has led me astray it led me to not search for my children it led me to kill a police officer i need to dial this back and i'm doing bad things and sitting across the table from her is a person who has followed a lot of messages and signs and faith throughout this episode and he's saying you just found the wrong kevin so he's still all in my question for you josh is in that moment is he saying that he's the right kevin or is he talking about junior that was going to be my question for you i said it first you have to answer but it's it's the beauty of the fact that we've got two characters on this show named kevin who one feels that they are walking this literal path of destiny the song line right uh, and believes that they're going to get to the edge of the world and sing the apocalypse away Uh, That's one guy, and that sounds pretty nuts, and we have yet to really see anything truly miraculous around Senior. Um, Then on the other hand, you have another Kevin 
who is not really, at least on the surface, buying into the hype surrounding himself, at least not yet. But we have seen on this show, we have seen him, you know, we've seen him get buried in the ground after drinking poison that we were told at least, and he was told as well, that would it would kill him. And he rises from the grave hours later. We see him get shot, and it seems like he dies, and it seems like he comes back. We've seen some pretty incredible things, let's call it that, with Kevin Jr., um, and that's really the person that the whole narrative of the show has been if, – if the show is trying to sell us on any like one person is special and can do something to save us all, it certainly seems to be around Junior. Yet Senior is so emphatic that Junior is not the man at the heart of the story, that Senior is not a supporting character in Junior's story. Junior is a supporting character in Senior's story. And I wonder if having heard Grace's tale now and having gone through everything that he has gone through uh, and hearing that these are, you know, that this book, that this, that this page from the book of Kevin that Matt has written about Kevin Jr., that this is the thing that has been such an important force for Grace, is Senior going to look at that and acknowledge that it's about his son and that maybe his son really is the one that's special and maybe Matt is right and maybe I've been looking at this wrong the whole time and I need to get that guy to Australia and we need to coordinate our song and dance together? Uh, Or does Senior now look at Grace as a disciple and now are we starting to see the building blocks of what we had speculated was already in place where Senior is going to take Grace and her people and start some sort of chapter that's going to be actually built on uh, him as the person at the center. I think it's fascinating. Who knows? It's going to be really great when the two Kevins cross paths. And of course, there's a third Kevin, but he's not really on the show anymore. Um, I don't know. I don't know what he means. It's, it's, you know, this is the first episode of the season so far, Antonio, that doesn't really end with an indication of where we're going next. Um, you know, there's been like a stinger uh, at the end of every episode so far this season. Granted, that's only two uh, in addition to this third. So there's really no clear direction of where this Kevin episode took us and where it's taking us next like is senior now on board with uh with junior being the guy it's a good question and he rejects the book uh does not like the book as you're pointing out and as you observed uh when he's talking to Matt earlier uh but there is uh there is of course this thing that has has been in play between senior and junior since the dawn of time in terms of our story uh since the beginning of the leftovers uh if you go back and track this in season 1 episode 7 which is solace for tired feet this is the episode where kevin senior breaks himself out of his mental institution ends up back with junior has this crazy conversation with junior at a diner in which he tries to pass that national geographic magazine off to junior and which he tells junior things like this is your purpose context is everything you need to accept this i tried to keep you out of this but now you're part of it oh oh, fine if you don't want it don't wake up stay asleep uh kevin jr is rejecting uh what senior is offering him in that episode kevin jr tells matt jameson to he says f you matt like i don't want you to be part of this that is a very prevalent thing throughout this series the relationship between junior and senior and senior thinking that kevin jr might be bound for something greater and junior rejecting it the interesting thing about that is in the garvey's at their best in season one episode eight when we see Kevin Sr. of uh, Compos Mentis, uh, or, or not non-Compos Mentis as the case may be, when we see him of sound mind, 
Kevin Sr. has this conversation after the surprise party for him with Kevin Jr., in which he tells Kevin Jr., we see people fighting with windmills. We see them going on quests to save damsels. They're all in search of a greater purpose. You have no greater purpose because this is enough. This is enough. And then we see Senior in this episode saying he came to Australia because he wanted some purpose. So he has, when he's of right mind, discouraged Junior and said, you have no purpose. When he's of not right mind, told Junior, this is your purpose, that you're part of something bigger involving me. So it seems like Kevin Senior has always been back and forth with Junior about this. And it really depends on where Senior's mindset is, what role he thinks Junior plays. And yet in this episode, I think fair to say, we would probably read Senior as a little bit off his rocker in this episode. Uh, but yet he is telling Matt, like, I'm not part of his story. Or, he's not part of my story. Or I'm, you know, he is getting this all like he's saying, basically, like, he's part of my story. I'm not part of his. This is my thing. Uh, and I wonder if that's where he was in Solace for Tired Feet in season one, episode seven. Or if we're talking about a different senior now who believes something different about what's going on. He doesn't want Junior to come to Australia, maybe because he believes if he fails with the song line, bad things are going to happen. Uh, but regardless, he feels like this is his purpose. And his purpose is completely thwarted in this episode. The one person who has the one song that he needs, he kills him, right? He kills Accidentally him. or on purpose. Uh, maybe not on purpose, but it happens. He rolls off a roof and kills the guy. He kills poor Christopher Sunday. I feel so bad. He seemed like such a sweet man. Uh, well, before we get into that, can you, as best as you can, do you have a grasp on the song line at all? This is you know, new territory for me, certainly. I got to imagine new territory for you as well. Have you done any research into this in the in the time we've had since the episode ended? Not entirely. Uh, you can obviously get into the, the very non-deep dive Wikipedia uh, research and just look up what these sorts of things are in the episode it 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 goes it goes a little bit around describing what's happening the idea is that there is some kind of let's call it like storytelling or oral storytelling and there are all these parts of these songs and that different people along in the different groups know these songs uh, know different parts of it and seniors believing that he has to go to each of the aboriginal peoples and learn their particular part of it and then sing the whole thing and by doing so will stop the flood. Keep in mind, the reason he believed this, Josh, is he saw a crazy chicken named Tony on a television. Damn. I thought tigers were usually named Tony, but that's another matter entirely. Uh, he says this chicken pecked a tape that was in his backpack. He plays the tape. The tape is Kevin Sr. and Kevin Jr. in 1981 stopping rain by singing the Itsy Bitsy Spider song. I don't know why he wouldn't think he needs to just sing the Itsy Bitsy Spider song to stop the flood from happening. Uh, but anyway, that's what we hear on the tape. So he... It's a bit if of a he, leap. It's a bit of a leap. Yes, he extrapolates from that that I need to stop the world from ending via flood by singing this Aboriginal song line song. Uh, I'm sure we have some great Australian listeners out there. I know we do. We've heard from them throughout the season. I would love to, for the feedback show, hear from some of those Australian listeners about some of this, uh, these Aboriginal belief systems, the song line, uh, everything that goes into the dream time, which is the dream time is part of this. And the interesting thing, of course, is that the, if you're talking about dream time or you're talking about these in-between states, maybe you are getting into the international assassin part of 
of it. Maybe you're getting into when Kevin Sr. tells Junior, don't wake up then, stay asleep. Uh, there's a lot of sleep metaphor in Season 1, Episode 7. So maybe there is more to it than that. Most of Kevin Sr.'s or Junior's problems happened when he was asleep. Uh, and he went different places when he was asleep. Uh, so I don't know what role this Aboriginal uh, belief systems play uh, in terms of the greater mythology of the series yet. But I think we're going to delve into that more on the feedback show, and I hope to hear from some of our Australian listeners who are going to have a much better grasp on that than we do. All right, well, we'll look into the song line, and we'll also memorize every single song on the song line, and we'll perform it on our feedback show this week. Oh, I've been doing that. You haven't done that? No, 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 and I'm going to oh. do it in Wanda voice as well. I rented a didgeridoo, so yeah. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I like the didgeridoo. So I mean, that, I. That's, that was a really catchy tune. I really It's definitely it. more of a didgeridoo than a didgeridont. A didgeridoo. Oh, God. Uh, get that one out of here too alex all right thank you cut that cut that kid well just kidding leave it in leave it all and nothing goes uh all right so we'll talk about that more in the feedback show for sure uh do you want to talk about the arc i know that you and i had already planted a flag in noah's arc earlier in the season but who knew we would have an actual arc to weather an actual flood coming up antonio there's a lot going on there, Josh. Uh, we see this this sequence of, of Senior going through Grace's photo album and seeing that she had a family and that she had adopted all these children. Uh, and then we go outside and we see an ark being built. Uh, there are a lot of people speculating online already. I'm seeing on Twitter. People have tweeted at me. Other people are wondering, are those people that are outside actually the adult versions of grace's children somehow stop that, stop that. really Listen, no that's, stop that stop. oh please as though that's lindelofing but anything involving dogs isn't but let's not get uh, into you that you keep bringing up the dog i really am not even talking about the dog although there was a new dog in this <laughs> and he had like a human name right was his name like caleb or something caleb the dog <laughs> that's a great name for a dog beast i don't know mode, I didn't beast mode that. dog boy yeah. Beast, uh, yeah beast mode for sure uh but yeah this is uh these are people this but what what the interesting thing about that to me is, is that they are building an ark. When you mentioned that maybe Grace is the first disciple of Kevinism, whether it's of senior or junior, uh, if these are people related to Grace, it seems like they may be already on board a little bit with this message. Why else, Josh, are they building a boat in the middle of what appears to be a pretty desert or deserted wasteland? For the Noah's Ark play that's going on in two weeks. It's, uh, it's just for show. It's just for like the town center community theater. Well, the community uh, catheter, as it were. Oh, dear. (laughs) That's not a hashtag I want to look up. Uh, But yeah, I I should add, though, uh, if I recall the Noah story correctly, and and believe me, I'm not as uh, schooled on my Old Testament right now, but I believe that one of the things that they did in Noah's Ark once there was a flood is they sent off a dove off of that boat. The dove came back uh, with an olive branch or some form of land, uh, and that led them be- led them to believe that the waters were receding. Uh, is that somehow connected to the doves in episode one that we saw with Sarah Durst? Uh, is there going to be some kind of flood this season, Josh? Kevin Sr. talks about it a ton in this episode. That is his purpose, to prevent a flood. Here, independent of Kevin Sr., we have people clearly building what looks to be an old-style boat. Maybe not the size of an actual ark i live in a state josh where believe it or not they built an ark the size of the ark in the bible and made it into a theme park but uh that is probably not is the it size called of ark the theme park i believe it's called ark encounter uh, or but just yeah. theme ark theme ark uh yes it's called ark park uh yeah i don't know uh it's called six flags over jesus ultimately is what it's called but i think that the idea that these people independent of kevin senior 
are out there already building their own boat in the middle of nowhere leads me to believe that you might have a fresh audience for Kevinism. He's not going to be able to find the book of Kevin. He threw it in the trash. Who knows uh, where it might be? I don't think we're going to see an episode where he digs it. But guess what? Kevin's going to show up pretty soon here, I think, in Australia. I don't know. It seems like only a matter of time before he comes into contact with Senior. So I, I don't know if he's going to come in contact with people that are going to be ready to accept Kevinism. Is this what we're going to see? What do, what's your, what do you think, Josh? We, are we going to see a flood this season? Look, I was really high on the possibility of some sort of apocalyptic thing is what we're seeing with the Sarah Durst scene at the end of the were, premiere. Um, I'm still not out on that. I still think that that could be what this whole show has been driving toward is like the resilience that you learn across the years after a major disaster and can you apply that once another disaster strikes is definitely a direction I could see the leftovers going in. So with all this talk about floods and certainly with, you know, the storm warnings, there's a huge storm approaching Australia as of last week's episode. You get that in the news report. I don't know. I could see it. I, and, I'm not, and I'm not closed off to it. I, I know that you are a little bit more than I am, but I, I, could, I could be on board with some sort of apocalyptic flood. Well, and the interesting thing about that is, of course, I read that news report to be a total joke, that there was no storm approaching and that it was mocking the idea that there would be a storm approaching because the seven year anniversary was coming up. He talked about a plague of locusts and all these things. So maybe there was some bad weather on the horizon, but not anything that was that level. Uh, You and I, Josh, talked off off air and we can continue this conversation on air about whether or not a inexplicable event like that would register with us and would would that be something we would prefer my preference is that it may be a little less cloudy like maybe something could happen but what we've seen even in the context of this episode is that people in pursuance of their belief systems will do just about anything they'll do really unusual stuff we have the story as relayed on the tape from Niagara from junior and senior about John Hinckley the guy who believed because he saw a taxi driver that the way to prove his love to the young actress Jodie Foster was to shoot Ronald Reagan. Uh, and that was this, the connected story between taxi driver John Hinckley, Ronald Reagan, Jodie Foster. And that's all because John Hinckley was unfortunately a little bit off. Uh, that it, He was all sixes and sevens. He was all mixed up. Nothing was right in his head. And he believed that to show his love to Jodie Foster, he had to kill Ronald Reagan. Uh, and that is something he pursued in pursuance of his screwed up belief system. And again, we see crazy stuff. Ha- what is going on, Josh, with the burning Bushman? Uh, the guy who sets himself on fire in the middle of the desert. I could, uh, because he tells <laughs> so Kevin dramatic, Senior. I could just set myself on fire. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a a really weird scene. Like that was the that was like the hardest dose of of Lindeloffing I felt in this entire episode. It's just the guy who just shows up in the middle of the desert, douses himself in lighting fluid, in lighter fluid, and in gasoline, and sets his car on fire and sets himself on fire after asking Kevin Senior if he would kill a baby if it meant curing cancer and kevin senior says no i wouldn't do that and the guy's like yeah me needs and then just sets himself ablaze and yeah he says they wouldn't take me that's what he says and he says that's what he said so is it was it a job interview uh we had a question from alex wilpon who asked do you think that guy who burned himself was talking about the mark lynn baker people the microwave people josh uh and was was it them who wouldn't take him Kevin Sr.'s interpretation is what my interpretation was at, at first blush. I hadn't even really considered what you're bringing up is I what they didn't take me. I'm I was left here. I'm not part of the two percent. You know, yes. that's 
that was certainly my my impression. But you think it's you think that it's leading towards something else? Maybe the Marklin Baker. Oh no, I don't. That was just a question. I think it was just a job interview. <laughs> he had a suit on. I think he's a crazy person who was interviewing for a job. They asked him a crazy job interview question. They didn't take him, and he freaked out and burned himself to death. Like I think that's all what happened. But again, Josh, Seems it's like all a pretty a- dramatic reaction to not getting the job. Well, because he could be a little screwed up. Like what we know about people in the aftermath of the departure is that people do crazy shit, man. Uh, and there are people who are on edge. There are people who are set off by these things. It's all open to interpretation, as Kevin Sr. says in the episode. But I think the theme is constant in terms of people are doing outrageous stuff. And the Grace stuff obviously plays with that. The John Hinckley stuff, the stuff we see from Kevin Sr. could be interpreted that way. That people in pursuance of something they deeply believe in can go off the deep end and can do something that they shouldn't be doing and that really runs counterintuitive to their ultimate goal or their ultimate plan and that seems to me to be the one of the themes of this series in general uh, we saw it a lot with the guilty remnant we saw a lot of regret from Lori as a result of the things she was willing to do to be part of the guilty remnant and the crazy stuff that she subjected herself to in season two it's an open therapy session for that and we don't ultimately know what's happening in season three if she's performing some penance for that or not with the clairvoyant readings and shredding the money and all of that but we do know that people are willing to go to great and crazy lengths because of the things that happened on that day uh, and so whether or not the burning man is part of that whether he's part of burning man we don't really know <laughs> but i'm a representative of burning man yes. we're looking into branching out to australia yes exactly uh we don't ultimately know but i think a, a running that's theme, what burning man's all about right it's just like yes. setting yourself on fire in the middle of a field. That's Set my yourself on fire. Yeah. Yes, yes. That, that's ultimately what it is. Uh, morally committed people uh, ultimately will do those things. Uh, but I, I should add, uh, that is something that monks have done to protest war and to protest regimes. They have set themselves on fire. That was a big thing in Vietnam uh, and in other areas surrounding uh, elements of great and terrible happenstance. Uh, there have been people who have set themselves on fire to prove a point. And that is, again, in pursuance of their belief systems and the things that they want to say and do self-immolation is something that is not not uh, not unfortunately that uncommon we have heard about it within our lifetimes in many cases so I don't know what people are willing to do in pursuit of their beliefs we see Kevin senior being willing to go to great lengths and go through this whole song line learn all these things subject himself to arrest uh, and being wanted in Australia for these things and yet this is a, a very strong thing that he believes he needs to do when it comes to ultimately whether or not we have another God level event in the show that is inexplicable and that is universal or whether or not something crazy happens because a crazy person or a seemingly crazy person is pursuing their beliefs and does something completely outrageous I don't know I think the latter is more in keeping with what we've seen on the show. And so when we have this discussion about whether a flood is coming, I said maybe somebody breaks a dam, you know, like maybe maybe a flood like that happens because somebody who has pursued these beliefs and is in a Kevin senior mindset blows up a dam and causes a flood because they feel like they have to do this. And, you know, you know, the best way to break a dam, right? Uh, With a chicken? (laughs) 
Tony the chicken. That's Tony the, the chicken. <laughs> I followed you. Yeah. I followed you down that uh, chicken hole. Uh, yeah, ultimately, I th- which I believe is called a cloaca. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I know about chickens, Josh. Uh, ultimately, what people are willing to do in pursuance of these things has been a running theme of this show. So I would, I would say, if we have a flood, I would prefer it to be something like that. I mean, you and I are totally unspoiled. We're making every effort to stay unspoiled. We're staying really off of Reddit generally. We're not getting into the theory speculation. Uh, that maybe is going to lead us astray or reading or listening to too much. But that wouldn't shock me if we see that. Um, if we see somebody breaking a dam. I don't know what Australia is like dam-wise. Uh, but if there's a dam there and a flood is caused, maybe it's even Kevin Sr. Um, that could be something that's happening. But all these things, all the things, including people like Matt, uh, people have been willing to do in pursuance of their faith. That has been an ongoing theme of this series. So it wouldn't shock me if we continue to see more of that going forward, obviously. Also, if the singing really is what we need to be doing here to prevent the apocalypse and Kevin Sr. is right, let's just grant him that for a minute. Just give him a little bit of rope here because he is a great guy. Although if he's unstable, who knows what what he's going to do with that. Uh, Christopher Sunday is dead. And yeah. he died. He died with the song. <laughs> yeah, the song dies with him. So what happens if 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 Kevin Senior isn't insane and his theory is correct and he does need the full song line? He he lost the last song. He did, which Christopher Monday points out uh, is is a uh, is the song that brings the rain. He says, my song is bring the rain, not stop it. Like he came to bring the rain. Uh, That's ultimately what he's here to do. And why is that part of it? And Kevin Sr. says, well, that's open to interpretation. Uh, But it is, uh, it's fascinating to think that that's the part we're missing. It's the bring the rain part. And if the song line does matter, what does bringing the rain part matter uh, if we're missing that? Because the rain theoretically would already be there. Uh, But maybe it's an incomplete song. You can't sing the itsy bitsy spider and stop the rain if you haven't talked about where the water where the rain starts and all of that. It's an incomplete song without the rain starting. Uh, and you need that, that whole song to, to bring the whole point across. So I don't know, man, uh, it's fascinating if a flood comes and we're unable to stop it because of that. If the whole series of the leftovers and why we have a Sarah Durst in the future with no Kevin is because senior can't stop the rain because he fell off a roof and killed the guy. And the only <laughs> reason that happened is because he got startled by some bureaucrat showing up to arrest him. Then man, I don't know. The leftovers is, is gone off the rails at that point for me that's some crazy white fella thinking i know thank you okay we finally got there it took us almost 45 minutes but we're here now. well we figured it we out all right now. well well we are gonna have a longer show later in the week is there anything that you think is like a must have must do deep dive to do tonight before we sign off the air because we only have a few more minutes no, I do want to hear from our listeners in Australia about the songline stuff. I think that's a major part of this. I think we can get into some great speculation if we have more information about this. I know we have lots of listeners in Australia. So please shout out to us and let us know. Hit us up at feedback. Or what's the email address, Josh? Email address is leftovers at postshowrecaps.com. There's also, there's also the feedback form, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. And there's also always the Twitter bots, Antonio. Right, definitely would appreciate that. Uh, you can also let us know something that we didn't have the time to to dive into, obviously. There is one page of uh, of the Bible shown here when Kevin Sr. says, the best-selling book of all time, and this is the sequel. We see Isaiah 41. Uh, if we have some listeners out there, uh, we've gotten some feedback from some people, I think, who are schooled and skilled in this area. Uh, so if you are someone who has an interpretation of how Isaiah 41 might be relevant to this story, uh, let us know. Please give us a shout-out on the feedback 
as well. I think that's something we didn't have the time to delve into before we recorded this quick recap, but that's part of it. I also really, I I don't want to go any further because we've already gone way too far without talking, Josh, about the wonderful direction from Mimi later in this episode. I thought, take, take it for what you will. If the story gets advanced or not, if this is going to be more informative later in the story, we don't know yet, but we can say it was a phenomenally directed episode. Great acting, but really, really great uh, shots and great direction in this episode. Yeah, well, one of the things I was just thinking is like, well, we haven't, we've been thinking about Australia this whole time and we really haven't even gotten there yet. And I mean, that's not entirely true. We've been in Australia in every episode so far to some degree, but this is the only episode of the season so far that's all Australia all the time, on top of it being all senior all the time. Uh, and wow. It's it's beautiful. I, I I would like to go to there. You know, I would really I would really like to check that place out. And it was shot beautifully. Um, the the just the, all I don't know. I really liked this episode a lot. And it's really sad to watch it from the perspective of you're watching. You know, an older guy, like an older person who is following ultimately a fool's errand uh, who really, really fervently believes in this one thing. And maybe it's just really wild nonsense. You know, that is the delicate dance that the leftovers does. And if that's the interpretation you choose of just Kevin senior losing his grip, then this is a really, really tough episode to watch. Uh, But it's, it's great. It's a, it's a great example of how this show is so awesome, how you could just kind of unpack all these different layers to it. And there's totally different interpretations of the episode. I thought this was a really good, one. Yeah, we talked a ton about uh, about just everything with Kevin Sr. and Matt, but it, it is really reminiscent of Two Boats in a Helicopter, the Matt Jameson-centric episode from season one, episode three, where Matt is on his own quest to save his church, and he is interpreting a bunch of signs, including birds on wires and casino tables, and there is money that he gets from Kevin Sr. that he gambles in that episode, and he is met with these weird things. He gets waylaid and robbed. Uh, there are these biblical things. There's a stoning in that episode. And true to form in this episode, we have these weird things, which I think can only or possibly be interpreted biblically. We have a snake bite. Uh, we have a snake in the desert. Uh, we have the man burning himself. We have all these weird things that are happening that maybe from a biblical lens or from a mythological lens carry a lot more heft. So I'm sure we'll dive into that on the feedback show uh, in, in later on in this week. But those that's all part of it. And it is all very reminiscent of two boats and a helicopter which in and of itself is a is a tale an apocryphal one or not about a person who in pursuance of their faith follows the wrong signs does the wrong things because they have this fervent belief that they are going to have something else that has been what we saw with the millerites at the beginning of this season uh, we have seen people following faith maybe down the wrong paths throughout the course of this we've debated wh- who of kevin or nora if either of them is going to jump in the microwave because of this faith and we saw the women dunking the other kevin kangaroo kevin uh captain kangaroo kevin as you pointed out a uh, chief kangaroo kevin in the last episode so this theme runs throughout and i think it's just fascinating to remember Remember that this is one of the earliest themes of The Leftovers. And what we saw with Matt in that episode, Two Boats in a Helicopter, is so similar to what Kevin Sr. is going through here. A very personal, very spiritual thing uh, that he believes he's on a quest to do a certain thing and that this is part of a, a cycle of things. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, Josh, just a couple quick hits real right before we get we get out of here. What did you make of Ducks Go Down, Ducks Come Up? Ducks are that that that's how we begin the episode. Uh, is that just a, a really sick joke with regard to Captain Kangaroo, Kevin? 
Uh, I didn't really think about it that much. In fact, I, I kind of missed this. What, what's this? Is this from one it's of Kevin, the recordings? Yes. Yes, it's Senior and Junior on the tape. The first thing we hear in this episode is Kevin Senior being worried that the ducks have been underwater too long and that they're dead and that we need to go check on them. And Senior is saying, nope, that's what they do. Ducks go down. Ducks come up. And look, they're up. And that's all it is. So I don't know what to make of that little story there. Uh, it, whether that is about nature and nature's resiliency, uh, maybe us understanding the science of a thing and not being worried about a thing with science from a faith standpoint, whether or not it's a cruel joke about what happened with Captain Kevin Kangaroo, whether it's all of it. Uh, I thought that was an interesting way to start the episode. I also thought from my rewatch, I note that in that National Geographic magazine, that the, the when Kevin Sr. flips and wraps a bunch of money up and a piece of the book of Kevin and he sticks it in the middle of that magazine on the Cairo page, the Cairo page. That's the same page where in a hallucination in season one, near the end of season one, uh, where, Kevin's, where Kevin Jr. is hallucinating that he's been committed. During this hallucination, he is thrown in a mental institution where Senior is. He is given that National Geographic book. On that exact same page is a note from Senior saying, if you would quit talking to yourself, they'll let you watch TV. When he goes out and watches TV, that's when he first meets Ghost Patty. That's when Ghost Patty arrives. It's all a dream, and yet, even in that dream state, it seems to have carried forward into the context of the story vis-a-vis Patty showing up. And it's just interesting that it's the exact same page where these two notes are. One with the Book of Kevin with the money in this episode, and then in the hallucination of Kevin Jr. in Season 1, Episode 8. I don't know how he would hallucinate that that was the key page of the magazine where Senior later puts this in this episode, but I think it's weird that it's the same page. Yeah, uh, well, I've, there you go. Another instance of the two Kevins being super connected. You know, there's there's right. something there's something more there than than meets the eye, and not yeah. trans any Transformers. I don't think another funny moment from this episode not 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 transformers that is more than meets the eye right uh the the kevin senior thing where he yells at the sky and says you're an asshole right after the man burns himself and then the rains come uh and that he covers in much the way that nora covers baby lily at the end of season two he covers the tape recorder with his body to try to save it for the rain he then undoes the tape and replays it and it doesn't work right before he replays it he prays is he praying to the same person he just called an asshole, Josh? <laughs> yeah. What's going on there? <laughs> like, that's you know, not likely to work. Yeah, I think, you know, you got to work on your approach a little bit. I think Kevin Sr.'s social game really requires a tune-up. It really does. Yeah, he needs help in his social game. You can't call somebody an a-hole and then pray to him and expect a result, like literally the next scene. And yet here we are. Here we are. Right, right after that, Kevin Sr. calls. He talks to the snake and says, I know you're my totem. I'm not sure we've seen evidence of why the snake is Kevin's totem. If anyone has a good theory about that, I'd love to hear it on the feedback show. All right, well, we'll get into all of that on the feedback show. As mentioned before, we are doing that earlier this week, so get your feedback into us by Monday at midnight, if you can, Eastern Time. Leftovers at postshowrecaps.com is our email. Postshowrecaps.com slash feedback is our feedback form. Hit Antonio up on Twitter. He's at AC Mazzaro. I am at Round Howard. Uh, you want to go hashtag pods tongue? Is that easy? <laughs> it is. Let's go with hashtag pods tongue. Indeed it is. <laughs> Subscribe to our podcast if you have not done so already. Postshowrecaps.com slash leftovers iTunes. Leave your honest reviews and your ratings. Very helpful for us in the iTunes charts. Uh, Antonio, you've got some other stuff percolating here on post show recaps what are you working on 
always talking about Better Call the Saul. Better Call Saul at Post Show Recaps. We record those on Tuesday afternoons after Monday night's episode airs. If you're a fan of Better Call Saul and you haven't listened to those podcasts, give it a look. Give it a listen. Uh, we're uh, having a really good time with myself and Rob Sesternino this season doing that. What else are you working on, Josh? Really, it's this. This is, this is everything. It's all leftovers all the time right now in my heart. That's great. Uh, you should you should you should uh, branch out a little bit because this can be a lot, and this can be a lot. It can weigh down on you. No, I've got other stuff in the works. Uh, not worth getting into this late on a Sunday night. Let's just wrap this thing. Let's call this thing. Unless you've got anything else from this episode you want to talk about? Anything. No. As always, shout out to the great Alex Kidwell who has done all the post production work for this season for us, Josh, on both this podcast and our feedback show. As always, much appreciated. Much appreciated. All right, and much appreciated that you guys listened to this whole thing. We hope that you will come back for our feedback show in the middle of the week. Until then, take care, everybody. Goodbye. Yeah!